0: Hello and welcome to Megacity Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics, mainly the British ones. I'm Eamon Clark, and it is a very welcome, warm return, a sixth visit to the book club for Ennis Gillen's very own Paul Trimble. Paul,
1: welcome back. Good morning Eamon, thank you very much. I'm sure people are beginning to fed up listening to me drone on, so... We'll try and keep it interesting. Well, I think,
0: I think people are very interested in your coverage, particularly of 1970s war comics, which is where we're going to go to in a moment. Um, here I am fulfilling a promise that I made to you at Enniskillen, where we said we'd get you back on to do a slightly longer recording and talk more at length about some, uh, some comic books. Before we get to today's book, I'm going to start us off in our packed agenda with... What we started talking about back in Enniskillen, we had this year, of course, five issues of battle action from, uh, edited by Oliver Pickles and sort of of under the stewardship of Garth Ennis. We talked about the first issue back then. From the complete run of five, what would you pick out or what would you want to say about these issues, Paul? Well, first
1: of all, I've got to say what a treat it was to have, Regular issues of Battle coming in again. The special last year was just fabulous, but to actually get regular issues of it was was something um, you know I, I certainly a few years ago would never have thought I would have seen, and the every issue just simply oozed quality from the cover right through Garth's selection of writers and artists for it was just top notch. We talked about having John Wagner back on HMS Nightshade, which was just a dream come true. Uh, but to see the return of Yancey and Mule and the Crazy Keller story in, in issue two, and D-Day Dawson um, by Dan Abnett and Phil Winslade, you know it's. When Garth came on board, battled at the battle action period. I was there from the beginning, so it's nice to see these characters pre-battle action. Um, being introduced, uh, major easy then an issue number three by Rob Williams and Henry Flint was just a knockout. It really was. Both did a fabulous job on that.
0: And of course, we had those wonderful covers for each issue by Keith Burns, which were just uh, spectacular.
1: Yes, they they Keith is just can turn his hand seemingly to anything. Um, they are available as as prints. From the Rebellion website, uh, I think it is rather than the 2000 AD website. So They're available as a set of prints in two different sizes, obviously without all the logos and type. So if anybody's interested in getting one and can't afford (laughs) to pay Keith for an original, you can can get a print of of any of the five, as well as the, the wraparound for number one.
0: And you reminded me, of course, uh, as you say, we had Major Easy with Rob Williams and Henry Flint, which is a great combination. Um, And it was a delight to see some of these... Some of the other stories I was less familiar with, sort of given a new lease of life, as it were, by uh, modern creators. The whole, the whole thing was just a wonderful creation. And, of course, recently on um, the Battle Fans Facebook page, you've interviewed Garth Ennis about this year's specials and some hints about next year.
1: Garth is very supportive of the Battle Action Projects and very kindly agreed to answer a few questions that were submitted by members of the Battle Action page um, just about what has been accomplished so far with the special and the mini-series and a few teases about what's coming next year. So it's we've got a lot to look forward to. Excellent
0: stuff. And you can find that on the Battle Fans Facebook page. There'll be a link in the show notes to the page and we'll talk a little bit more about the group as we get to the end and guest projects Paul, I'm going to take us now from sort of like modern interpretations of battle back to the original and back to the 1970s. Tell us the book that we decided to cover for today's episode.
1: For today's episode, Eamon, we are going to be talking about Rat Pack, Guns, Guts and Glory, published by Titan back in 2012. Indeed, a lovely
0: hardback that we've both got in front of us. Um... Lots of creators involved. Writers, Jerry Finley-Day, Pat Mills, John Wagner are the big names for us, but also WG Eed, Ron Carpenter, Terry McGee, Art, Carlos Susqueira, Massimo Bellardinelli, Edouard Vagnos in there, Jim Aldridge, Kay Houghton, Colin Page, Mike White, F.A. Philpott, H.J. Johnson, and there's some, also some uh, non-attributed agency work in the, the listings as well. This collects stories from the very first issue of Battle, I believe, March 1975, running through here to July 1975, I think, the stories in this collection. Um, And as you say, 2012, hardback. Um, We'll talk about availability as we get to the the end of the episodes. There's an introductory interview with Pat Mills, talking about the creation of Battle and particularly of Rat Pack. Uh, And there's some black and white cover reproductions at the back of the book. So tell us, Paul, first of all, a little bit about why you chose, why we settled on this
1: particular book for the book club.
0: And then we'll get into how Rat Pack came to be.
1: Rat Pack was one of my immediate favourites back in the very early days of battle. Um, My friends and I, we we used to play as Rat Pack in the school playground uh, way back Many, many years ago, and it's a series that I just have tremendous fondness for. Uh, Pat's Pat's interview at the, at the at the beginning of the book is very informative about the 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 creation both of Battle and of Rat Pack, um, which uh, Battle was of course created as a rival to DC Thompson's Warlord, uh, which had been a hit back in the previous year in nineteen seventy four. So it's uh, as I say, the Rat Pack is one that has stayed with me ever since, and uh, it's a series I never grew tired of of reading and and uh, looking back on. So I'm glad to finally have the opportunity to speak to you about it.
0: Excellent stuff. Now we've talked about a little bit in the past about the creation of Battle itself. This is this is still the first issue of Battle, isn't it? And okay, awesome. Pat is. He's doing a sort of, um, you know, what we now know as a signature Pat move. He's looking for a bit of a crib in creating a story for Battle and then handing it over to a creative team.
1: Well, the, the interesting thing was that Pat has, has referred in the past that it was actually publisher John Sanders who suggested a story with uh, an agent whose mission was to kill Hitler. Uh, which of course was day of the the eagle, which also appeared in the first issue of of battle. Um, so I've I've been speaking to Pat just about just a few run a few questions by him, and he he feels that Rat Pack then was created after that. So this original idea to possibly take inspiration from a popular movie of the time seems to have originally come from John Sanders and then Pat ran with it. Uh, so, the uh, I mean, obviously what we're talking here about is The Dirty Dozen, um, filmed in England, released back in 1967, which, of course, was hugely popular and uh, would have been a, a staple on television back at the time. So it was a very good call by Pat um, and John, of course, to, to, to develop a story based on this. Um, had to give it to Jerry Finley Day to 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 write. Now the the interesting again looking back, you you listed some of the writers and artists that were involved in in the stories in this volume, and this was Pat trying. Most of the writers and artists we you mentioned there ha, had already established careers in comics. Maybe maybe some of them actually for, for quite a number of years. So Pat was looking for mainly writers who could bring a modern twist to the stories, the modern twist that he wanted, rather than um, you know the more old-fashioned retro approach. And while, while those other writers are credited, Pat and John extensively rewrote a lot of the scripts, so some of them would have touches in them that Pat and John would have brought to it. Um, and let's not forget that Battle was actually produced in the girls' department of IPC. I listened with great interest to your... Uh, Slaves of War Orphan Farm podcast a couple of weeks back, and uh, there was so much there talked about the the, the the writing, the difference between the girls' comics and the boys' comics, and uh, generally speaking, the girls' comics were seen to be a higher quality at that time. And this was the feeling that the Pat and John wanted to to bring to boys' comics, just a completely new, uh, fresh approach rather than what had been you know done back in the fifties and sixties.
0: And if we turn to the creative partnership at the start it 's Jerry Finley Day and Carlos Iquera, and we talked you you 're right. I talked about this a little bit with Matthew Ellis when we talked about Tammy and slaves of War off and Farm. This was the time period when uh, the sort of brain drain or the creative talent was drifting from d c Thompson down to i p c and carlos Carlos was caught slightly between the two I think is that right he was
1: this was he was still working for DC Thompson Carlos was established with DC Thompson and had done some work for the uh, for the girls comics for IPC as well um, he was uh, he was he was represented as so many artists were at that time by uh, an agency uh, Barry Croker, um, of Barden Agency, and everything, of course, was done through the agency rather than contacting the artist directly. So John and, and Pat had had spotted Carlos's artwork and felt that they, they, he would really fit in with what they were trying to do. So apparently they sort of badgered Barry Croker into allowing them to contact Carlos, and, um... The, uh, he, he started to, to work for for them then on, on Battle. Um, but still with commitments, obviously, to commitments to D.C. Thompson and, um, and other work. So he, he wasn't able... It, of course, I mean, this, this was a new comic as well, and something very different to what had been done before. So there was no guarantee that Battle would be a success. So I think both Barry Coker and Carlos were, were reluctant to commit completely to it at this point uh, until Battle had been established uh, and and the popularity of it was, was recognised. Um, and then he came fully on board then with Major Easy, which debuted in, in January 1976. And of course, from that point on, Battle was just the best comic on the market by far.
0: You know, you and I both met Carlos. Uh, well, you know, had the privilege of meeting him. And as you say, he still had some obligations at DC Thompson. And from knowing Carlos, if Carlos said he would do something, he would do it. He would finish those obligations, wouldn't he?
1: Oh yes. Uh, I mean, Carlos was—he he, had—he uh, had his honor, and he would always need contracts. Um, Barry Coker, essentially essentially guided Carlos into what, what, what he felt was best for his career. And um, so many of the artists, Dave Gibbons, I think, worked for mm. Brian Bolland and quite a few of the, the artists who would come on later were developed through Barry Coker and, and Bardon.
0: So let's do the setup for Rat Pack itself. Tell us the story of the Rat Pack and who are the characters.
1: Well, uh, as we've said, Rat Pack was inspired by the Dirty Dozen. So what we have are a group of convicts, military convicts, uh, who are released to take on missions um, in occupied Europe and further afield with uh, the promise of their freedom. Now, obviously, these guys are... Not the nicest of people, <laughs> and uh, a far cry from uh, agents, other agents, and, and groups and whatnot from from previous comics. Um, Jerry Finley Day is a writer that was tasked with creating the the, uh, the series, and uh, he, he crops up in a number of stories through through the book. Um, it's interesting to note, somewhere or other, I came across an illustration of what looks to be roughs of the headshots that appeared across the top of the first story. And uh, it gives the original character names, um, which slightly vary from what they would become. Uh, Kabul Ataturk, known as the Turk, became Kabul Hassan. Bruce Sweet became Ian Scarface Rogan. Maurice Dancer became Matthew Dancer, and I'm assuming it's Major Ripper becomes Major Taggart. The only one that remained the same was Ronald Weasel. and uh, I spoke to Pat about this and he reckons that that these the, the, the names that they, they eventually went with um, were, were created by, by John and himself, uh, that those original names were from the, the, the first scripts by Jerry. Uh, so it's just interesting to see. A little bit of development. So we
0: have these, these four, as you say, military convicts, and then we have Major Taggart, who gets them out of prison in order to go on the various missions that they, be, they do. And they each have their own... They have a distinctive look. They have those headshots that appear often on the title pages, and they all have their own specific sort of skill set, don't they, which is quite useful for a comic book commando group.
1: Yes, you've got the strong one, you've got the athletic one, you've got the safe cracker, you've got the, the guy who's handy with a knife and unarmed combat and whatnot. So as you say, it ticks all the boxes and provides exciting stories. It gives you opportunities to do pretty much anything with them because you've got a specialist that'll cover that'll cover um, you know, any part of the plot really. And I was reading
0: it and thinking to myself, Paul, about the sort of division between reality and comic book depictions of the war. I think it would be fair to say that we know from reading about World War II that there were commando missions pretty much like this, as depicted in the comic, in the various theatres of war around Europe uh, and Africa. Probably not all the same team as depicted here in Rat Pack, but the actual missions they go on, you can see similarities
1: with real missions that we know about. Oh, you can, yes. Say, Pat and John wanted to interject reality into the scripts for battle as opposed to the war comics, war stories of the the, the, the 60s, say, something like Captain Hurricane. You know, they, they, these were gritty, real stories. I mean, okay, some of them maybe aired into Fantastic, some of the, the, the Nazi super weapons and whatnot, but they. they Again, everything, as I say, was researched. Um, Jerry, of course, Jerry Finley Day had a military background, and he brought that authenticity. Um, uh, Alan Hebden um, and uh, his father, uh, who'd served in the military as well. So there, there was a great deal of experience there. And uh, say that that was incorporated into the stories to give it just this realism. And I noticed, the other
0: thing I noted while I was reading through it again last night was that um, I was a great fan of Action Man, the toy figure, Mm. and his various different uh, costumes or or, um, uniforms for, for particular different encounters that you could buy. There's a certain touch of that in their, you know, they have their parachute one, they have their frogmen one, they do a winter mission, so they're in their snow gear with skis and so on. Um, They certainly move about the various parts of the war, don't they?
1: Oh, you weren't alone in in reenacting sequences (laughs) with your action, man. I was exactly the same, Uh, so I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, that was the great thing.
0: Is there something particularly about this format um, and commando missions that worked particularly well in battle? Because obviously, this was a this is a very successful three year running strip, wasn't it?
1: Well, Rat Pack actually ran for longer. Um, it, it it didn't run continuously, and it's uh, but it actually ran right up until nineteen eighty. Oh right. There was a last run, Um and in fact, Rat Pack actually got stronger as it went on because we didn't move away from from the all the different writers. It became more cohesive. Alan Hebden really became really became the main writer and essentially wrote, I think, the last series. He wrote it all, and of course, the team up with with Major Easy. So Alan Hebden brought his stamp to it, and um, it, it, it based on. Steve McManus's "Readers voting coupons. You know, Rat Pack would have been very near the top every week. Uh, so it was, it was just a very well received story. Obviously, we like we like bad guys. <laughs> and you mentioned it already. We'll just
0: flash forward slightly. They did cross over with Major Easy somewhere around about 1977. I think is that right?
1: It was in issue 100. Ah." Of, of Battle, uh, which actually saw, also saw the introduction of Johnny Red. So um, I believe, I mean, Dave Hunt felt that this was a good way to keep two very popular characters in the comic as well as giving space to, to allow a, a, some new strips to make a debut. So it, it worked very, very well. And it was like nothing had been seen in British comics before. Crossovers and team ups were part of American comics. Uh, But in in British comics, we really didn't see something like this. So it it really was uh, a very unique twist on on the the storylines. And we've both got the Rebellion
0: um, collection of Major Easy versus Rat Pack, which is all Alan Hebden and Carlos Ascara in that. So that's a delight as well, isn't it? Yeah,
1: Like I said, Alan Alan did take over. And of course, um, with Carlos being the regular artist on Major Easy... Uh, this could this this was just a continuation of of his regular work for that strip. So it's a, just a pure delight and really hangs together very very well. The the Rat Pack thought that Major Taggart was bad, but then they, then they find that there's even worse out there in the form of Major Easy. And I'm just reminded, uh,
0: yeah, you say that as you say the commander units, of course were incredibly successful in World War II, so much so that the extremely controversial and illegal commander order was issued by Hitler, that, you know, if the Rat Pack and Taggart had been captured, um, they probably they were, would have been shot, shot, shot straight away.
1: Yeah, that's right, yeah. That was the commander order. Um, any any commander found and captured was to just to be shot out of hand.
0: Interesting stuff. Let's turn to the artwork, Paul. Um, now, obviously, we start with a dream team of Jerry Finlay Day and Carlos on the artwork, creating the look of the characters. Um, As you say, we end up in the major easy crossover with Alan Hebden and Carlos, again, back on artwork. Along the way, we've got some other artists in the book. Um, What would you want to say about the artwork in this first Titan volume?
1: Maybe I could just... Something I should have mentioned, um, The backtrack slightly, episode seven in the volume, is titled Le Grand Must Die, sorry, Must Not Talk, and it's a story based around a resistance leader called Jacques Le Grand, who is a prisoner of the Gestapo, and the Rat Pack have to have to rescue him. But interestingly enough, there was an IPC editor called Jacques Le Grand, oh, right? Who I suspect is uh, is getting um, is getting a guest appearance here, but neither Pat or John can remember why. Uh, but just that's—it's it, too much of a coincidence. So, artists, as as I've said, a lot of the the, the art here, um, like the writing, is by artists who have who have worked on on comics for for a number of years. Uh, as Pat and John just try to find the the, 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 the creative teams to to move comics forward. Um, there's a lot of them. I, I have I really haven't been able to find very much about, uh, because pre pre two thousand AD comics didn't run credits, so while art can sort of be recognised to a degree, um, we we can't really put um, we can't really put a lot of the writers' names to the stories, but the art um the art is a mixed bag I have to say in, in this volume, and Rat Pack did become. A much stronger strip as it went on, and they settled into they settled into um, you know a, a more regular group of artists. Then mainly Alan Hebden writing. I I, I like I like I like uh, a, a lot of it. Um, F. A. Philpott uh, who drew episodes three and four and more, he worked on Lion, and then went on to draw Pathfinders and Lookin or some of the things I've been able to, to, to attribute to him. Mike White, who drew the the helicopter story, he would go on to draw Kids' Rude OK, and Hellman of Hammerforce. So uh, again, the, the as I say, the artists had had uh, were, were IPC regulars, and Carlos essentially was the new guy, and then of course Bellardinelli when he came along.
0: It's interesting to see Bellardinelli doing his seventies war comic stuff before he de- does, obviously the late 70s and early 80s, 2000 AD, Dan Dare and Ace Trucking Company, and goes into all the alien weirdness. But his his war comics were very good as well. Um, what's the, the other strip he did? Is it the Green... Uh, Green Grudge War. Green Grudge War, that's right. Because he was an artist on that.
1: Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. No, his work on Rat Pack is, is top-notch. Uh, he, he was a great find. And I'm very, very fond of his his war comics. And then of course much later was able to put a name to the uh the artist when when two thousand eight began to run credits. But he was very he was a very very strong on Rat Packet. Really became one of the most um, the the most regular artists on it the, the following year in nineteen seventy six. And
0: there's also one of the Vanyo brothers who would later go on to create um, Deathwish in Speed Comics, which we've covered on the uh, uh, on the podcast, and also he, I can't remember the name of the other uh, Action Force '80s comic or something like that that they would do. The Vanyos, and um, he's in here as well.
1: They they cro- they cropped up they cropped up everywhere. Uh, yeah, the Vanyo name. I mean, Vanyo Edward was was actually drawing. The uh, the Golden Hind story in Battle Number One as well, so he he was there from the beginning. Also drew a couple of the a couple of the uh, Mike Nelson Eagle stories. So as I say, he he played quite a big part in Battle.
0: Which would be your favourite sort of creative partnership on Rat Pack in terms of writer and artist?
1: Well, as far as writer would go, Jerry Finley Day. Created the characters and uh, his uh, his his strips in here are cracking reads as as always. Uh, He didn't get to write as much of the strip possibly to get to get a true block of work, whereas Alan Hebden really took the strip to new heights. By uh, the the, from from this point on, the last run from 1979 through to 1980 with Eric Bradbury, Art, and three episodes by, by Cam Kennedy, it is fabulous and really is the, the, the best of the the pure Rat Pack serials, not not counting the major easy team up. So it really would be Jerry or Alan Hebden, as far as writing would go. For Art, well, Carlos is the man, and it's fabulous to see his, his stories here. Uh, he would go on to produce some more, of the Rat Pack strips after this this volume. And then, as I said, became the regular artist on Major Easy in January 76. But and it gets an honourable mention, because I'm very fond of his Rat Pack. And, of course, then Eric Bradbury and Cam Kennedy's three episodes, Christmas episodes in 1979 are fabulous. So it's just a shame Cam didn't get more of an opportunity to to draw the series as well.
0: And before I ask you about Grail Page's paul and we'll talk about a few sort of favorite episodes you've mentioned the french resistance um chap who's captured and is a in a torture dungeon i mean i know pat wrote about this quite interestingly that sometimes they tried for what quite interesting uh, missions and plots and then they they did a sort of london dungeon torture dungeon and the readers just went mad about that one instead.
1: That That is actually the grand must not talk story. Yeah. Which opens up in a Gestapo dungeon. Yeah. And the, the, the issue that he talks about with Taggart looking down over the model is actually from later. It's from later in August 1975, so it's, it's not in the book. But I, I can see exactly what he means. It's a great story, and Carlos really knocks it out of the park. But just for some reason, it wasn't popular. <laughs>
0: Any other particular episodes from this first collection from Titan um, that you would like to pick out for our listeners?
1: They're all very clever. As I said before, Pat and John rewrote a lot of the the, 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 the stories. Um, so they're they're all entertaining. Um, they are very much one-and-done stories. They, they, Rat Pack go off on a mission and uh, through... Uh, Possibly trying to, to to benefit themselves, as this, as we go through the story, they end up usually just back with Taggart again, um, none, none the better off. But the um, the the underground train story uh, towards the end is I, I've always enjoyed, which uh, Pat says is based on the taking of Pelham One two, three was the Yes, for that one, um, the the de- the desert story, the one prior to it. Uh, It's very good as well. And um, the mountain climbing one. But uh, as I say, it's a very entertaining book. Uh, Possibly best read in small chunks rather than trying to read it all in one go because just comics back then weren't designed to be read that way.
0: I'm just looking through now and I'm noticing the episode where Carlos comes back on art and has a truck crashing through a fence um, with a looking up at the sort of front grill of the truck, which would become, I think, more recognisable later on when he does the Bentley for Major Easy, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that's great fun. Obviously great fantasy. Carlos coming back to the characters
1: that he created. Oh, he, uh, he would draw some more stories after this volume. He, he, the, the, this wasn't all the Carlos stories, uh, but uh, this is just all we have reprinted for now
0: and they do get they get around don't they the, the rat pack they do go to all the various as i say all the various theaters of war that were going on in europe and africa and they get to leningrad as well at some at one point
1: well that's the beauty of the characters they could really be written into any situation and you know it's it's a short story is very very hard to write it's harder to write than a long one so fair play to the writers for being able to lick you know, such such detailed and, and um, you know widespread stories in, into the, the five or six pages. You know, they they uh, they really do a fabulous job, and and it's so different as you say. You know, with mountain climbing, frogmen, train driving. You know, <laughs> it's into the desert. You know, they, they cover they cover everywhere. So yeah, great stuff.
0: And I'll also mention the episode where they have to sabotage um a new German destroyer ship, new battleship, the Magdeburg. Yeah. And there's some great towards the end of that episode, some great Bellardinelli artwork of uh, the ship crashing. Um we've obviously we've had HMS Nightshade come back this year and seen also Keith Burns' spectacular cover. <laughs> Yep. image so images of battleships or um, you know the, the the naval ships in warfare are quite, quite exciting this year and that's another bit of uh, excitement in those images
1: mm. oh, Bellarganelli does a fabulous job on that story uh, Yeah, the battleship's about to crash and you get a blitzen have they gone mad one of the, the surprised German sentries but yeah fabulous fabulous artwork on that one
0: now, we'll just mention that this is a Titan collection that was rather optimistically uh, titled Volume 1. It was, of course, the only one from Titan. Um, it's a nice hardback. It's got the covers. It's got the Pat Mills interview. Um, they've done with the reproduction what Titan used to do I guess before they had all the sophisticated technology that Rebellion have now got for cleaning up old artwork, this is pretty much just straightforward scans of pages by the looks of it. Um, And I'm guessing, Paul, that some of the title pages originally appeared in colour, possibly,
1: in battle? Yes, Rat Pack would have had the centre pages, the highly sought-after centre pages uh, of the comic, so that's why you're seeing some of the... Oh, and maybe the back cover as well, which is why you're seeing some of the the, uh, the pages in the in the book in sort of grayscale. Um, those would originally have been color.
0: Yes, so we do get a little bit of grayscale, sort of muddiness on some of the title pages. Yeah, um, which was a thing with Titan, and as you say, technology's moved on, and Rebellion can now um clean up this artwork much better and they produce much sharper reproductions. Um I forget, Paul, you, you I know you have obviously lots of sketches. You've got original artwork as well, I think.
1: I've got some battle pages. Right. Uh, yeah. I actually have three pages of Bilardinelli. Oh. From from 1976. It's a story written by Alan Hebden. So they're they're uh, a prize. I've got a Johnny Red page by John Cooper. Wow. Action Force page that he drew as well. And I have five pages of Cam Kennedy's Fighting Man. Um, I've also got Carlos's character design page for El Mestizo. Uh, that would be all from the from the original from the original run. I remember we talked
0: about that when we did mm. El Mestizo, yes. Yeah. What about this, uh, this collection? What would be your grail pages if this artwork survived and we could get it?
1: Uh, grail pages, I, I think it would really come down to Cardos, um, having got a couple of the pages. The splash page for the second story. Oh, we have no page numbers, unfortunately, in the book, so it's, it's quite difficult to, to explain what I say. It's the second story which has the the Rat Pack surrounded by German troops and they're crouching behind a wall, all armed to the teeth.
0: And that's a perfect page because you've got the title, you've got the headshots of the characters, and then you've got that wonderfully composed Carlos image of the Rat Pack, as you say, with all the odds against them. Um, It's a fantastic image, actually.
1: (laughs) And the dialogue as well, you know, the, the German commander shouting, you have 60 seconds to surrender, Englanders. Before we use poison gas, and Taggart says, we're cornered like a bunch of rats, but that's when rats fight best. So, I mean, the dialogue is just cracking on that page as well. It's fabulous. That's that's a Jerry Finley Day story.
0: Wonderful stuff. Um, Yes, so we'll grant you that page, a Carlos page, a title page, no less, and um, a striking image. I mean, in those sort of five figures in the foreground, you can sort of see everything that Carlos would become in terms of his artwork over the next sort of 10 or 15 years. You can see sort of like the wonders of it all. And it's just great composition and storytelling at the same time.
1: Well, then the detail is superb. You know, the weapons and, and whatnot are all impeccably drawn. Uh, I just absolutely love that page. Yeah, any others from the book
0: that you would like to pick out, Paul?
1: Well, if I could be greedy, there is a double-page spread. Again, it's Cardos, and it's, it's episode 20, so it, it's near the end of the book. But it has the Rat Pack scale and a cliff. Oh, yes. And some athletics from Rogan. Um, and Again, it's just the, the, the way the page flows and the different angles and whatnot. I think it's, it's fabulous as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, another wonderful uh, page. Lots of uh, stuff going on, yeah. and again, his sort of wonderful perspective and uh, composition of them pulling up the
1: rope. That's right, and the submarine out silhouetted against the moon, and the dinghy down on the beach, and whatnot. Uh, it, it, it's this is obviously a color spread, so uh, the art is 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 grayscale. I, I'd love to see that just the pure black and white yeah hopefully if rebellion ever get around to doing a wrap pack volume we'll, we'll get this either in color or um or, or pure black and white but lovely i think it's a lovely center spread i'm
0: tempted by one of the title pages of them in their sort of action man different uniforms for different eras. but i'm also very tempted by bellard and battleship crashing yeah. um just because it's a you know a, a wonderful piece of artwork, the rat packer at the bottom of the page, and um, I don't know, this year I think I've got a thing for battleships, as I say, Paul you know, <laughs> HMS Nightshade has uh has has done are that for interested? me, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: understandable, but yeah, that's that's a great page as well,
0: no. We mentioned it was in a in a way a sort of another one of Titan's experiments to see if they could put these out and it would sell. Um, since then, of course, it's all passed into the ownership of Rebellion yeah. who have been Well, let's what should we say? They, they they get to pick what they put out. Now obviously because Major Easy versus Rat Pack had not been previously reproduced as far as I'm aware, they've put that one out. It Would be nice if they're going to get to the Rat Pack at some point, but um,
1: you know, yeah, they stay. Well, let's remember that the Major Easy versus Rat Pack was only available through the web shop, right? Uh, it, it's not a generally available volume, but, but yes, I mean, they, they do seem to be apart from Charlie's War, um, and the first series of Major Easy, they really have stayed away so far from. The what the, the the stories that Titan reprinted. Uh, there's huge demand on Battle Fans for Johnny Red. Yeah. And, and, and Rat Pack, I'd love to see in an updated volume as well. I think Rebellion just they own so much now with the 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 complete archive, and they obviously are trying to cover all bases. We're getting some humor volumes. We're getting some girls comics. We're getting we're getting um, you know some war stuff. We're getting some sports stuff. Uh, but I mean, hopefully before too much longer we're, we're going to start to see uh, some of the these in more updated versions until then we just have to reread our, our our titan volumes which were a godsend at the time when i got this in 2012 yeah it, it was just fabulous you know
0: i mean it's amazing there was no other um sort of reprints of this stuff going on so you know, hats off to Titan for doing it, and um, but let's hope Rebellion can at some point update the scans and give us better copies. Sure, yeah. The Guns, Guts and Glories Volume 1 from Titan is now, I think, out of print, but the copies are very cheap on the marketplaces. Even as little as a fiver will get you this at the moment, it seems, from my searches Um so it is out there. And as you say, from the web shop you can still get the major easy versus rat pack um, yeah. version, which was fourteen ninety nine. And I would say that Major Easy versus Rat Pack has not yet been picked for the book club, so you know
1: <laughs> it's, yes, maybe that's one we should have tacked on to this. Um, maybe that was a missed opportunity there, but.
0: not to worry, we can always come back to it. Anything else about rat pack you want to mention before I move you on to some of your um
1: copious guest projects Paul <laughs> uh, well, I think we've pretty much covered um i think we've pretty much covered everything there that i had
0: It is a splendid story i mean it's real exciting boys' adventure comic stuff with this gang of uh Bad guys who who are forced to do good things by Major Taggart.
1: Yeah, I mean, they always say that villains are more interesting than heroes. Yeah. And certainly, way back in 1975 in the school playground, Rat Pack were firm favourites, and because each had their own individual skill set or or um, uh, you know physical attribute, and you know, the, uh, we we could all pick our our favourite member of of Rat Pack and. And uh, come up with new adventures uh, against the Dirty Jerries. Um, it was great fun, very fun memories.
0: Great stuff! Thank you for picking it and coming on the book club again, Paul. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about another book that we almost um, decided to cover. This is a this is a Rebellion release from this year, twenty twenty three. This is Clash of the Guards. Um, just give us a little introduction about this book because you've you wrote the introduction for it.
1: Yes, they uh, Keith Keith Richardson asked me to if I would consider doing the, the introduction for it. There was a very short lead time, but of course I nearly bit his hand off. <laughs> to do it, just been such a fan of Alan Hebden's writing and Cam's artwork, so uh, I was able to get it. I was able to get it squeezed in. Um, but it's 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 a lovely volume. This is. This is from later battle. This is from 1981. And just prior to some of the more action-orientated stories being introduced to battle, like Truck Turpin, The Hunter's SI-6 and The Fists of Jimmy Chang, they came in literally as the, um, as the Ron timer story uh, wound up. So uh, battle would change to quite a degree from, from this point on. But it's it's a lovely series, and Cam's artwork is just fabulous. The weapons, the panel layouts. Uh, he had he had a previously drawn fighting man, so he, he was well back in the in the groove for the the war stories. And his son built a lot of model kits, and that's how the the vehicles are also authentic looking. Cam was telling me so. It's 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 a wonderful It's Basically, the reverse of of D Day Dawson. The, here now you have an American. You have an American um, joining uh, 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 guards battalion. Uh, all five of the guards battalions appeared in the Italian theater of the war. So we don't know which of the five that he, that he actually was was, was seconded to. Um, there are no clues in the stories, but it's 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 just fabulous stuff, and it's great to have it in a, in a book. One thing maybe to point out is that there is another Clash of the Guards story that hasn't been included in this book with Vanu artwork from 1983, probably another space filler in the way the Ron Tyner story was just to to, to bring it up to this relaunch. Um, but Rebellion felt that they, they wanted to focus on Cam's artwork, so included. The short stories that, that that some of some of the short stories that he did for Battle, um, in in place of the other uh, Clash of the Guards story,
0: and can I also mention, as you say in your introduction to this book, um, Clash of the Guards by Alan Hebden and Cam Kennedy? Sadly, the Cam Kennedy part of the story ends on a cliffhanger, which was not resolved, and there's a missing episode.
1: There is yes, that's that's it was. It was lost in the post, and has never, never resurfaced. So the cam's run ends with uh, the train carriage toppling towards, towards Captain Clash and, and his, uh, the general that he has rescued from the train. Um, and as I say, the story was never actually resolved. So if you have, if you're lucky enough to get to meet Alan Hebden at a signing session at a convention, that's that's a question you can ask him. Uh, I know how it was to be resolved. Right. I'll leave it it up to your imagination. Well,
0: one of the things that's always crossed my mind, and that we have mentioned occasionally on this podcast, is the 1970s and 1980s, all this artwork crisscrossing in the post Mm -hmm. from the artists and from the agencies being sent in. And I always wondered about lost episodes, and here we actually have one that was apparently, as you say, lost in the post and has never been found, so we never know <laughs> unless, of course, as you say, you get the chance to chat to Alan Ebton about
1: it. The Red Star parcel service, I believe, was used extensively as well, which transported packages by train. I don't think that exists anymore, but the, um, between the post and, and Red Star parcels that, that uh, all, all this artwork uh, made its way from various artists to King's Reach Tower in, in London.
0: Um, so we've got Cam Kennedy in there. We've got the Ron Tyner um, stories as well. Ron Tyner, I think I met briefly at Lawless Convention earlier this year. Um, and there's some other Cam Kennedy sort of short stories towards the end of the book. Yeah. And that is 1899, Clash of the Guards from the Rebellion uh, store. And that is well recommended and worthwhile um, purchase. It's a paperback and it's got this tremendous introduction by Paul Trimble, administrator of the, ba- administrator of the Battle Fans Facebook page and founder of the award winning Enniskillen Comic Fest, it says. Never
1: heard, <laughs> Never heard of him. Yeah, there's a hardcover as well, so you have a choice of two versions. There's the softback. There was a hardback as well, right, okay. Uh, both have exactly the same cover. Um, but- so you, can t- you can take your pick. Possibly one thing just to very quickly mention here, Eamon. This morning, I'm just after receiving my Treasury of British Comics annual ah. in the post. And um, I was just curious to see what story they picked. They actually reprint one. Of, when we're talking about Cam, they reprint one of Cam's Charlie's War stories um, from the 1979 holiday, battle holiday special. and It's, 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 it's a lovely job. Uh, but the, the interesting thing to note here is this is the first time that a non Pat Mills written Charlie's War story has been reprinted. So this this is pretty significant. Uh, the thought always was that Pat didn't like anything going out with Charlie's War title that that he hadn't written, and that's that's why the World War II stuff has never been reprinted. So it's just be interesting to see what the reaction now to this is with uh, as i say the very first charlie's war story without pat up there at the typewriter um,
0: has been reprinted so get the treasury british comics annual get clash of the guards um we know that cam kennedy's had some health problems recently uh best wishes to him from you know from everybody here and um yeah buy his books show him some support and some uh, some appreciation
1: yeah, but Cam's had a, had a tough time lately, and um, uh, he has good days and bad days. I, I'm in touch with him fairly regularly, and uh, he's he's very grateful for this Clash of the Guards volume. Uh, he was very pleased to see it done. So he's uh, definitely keeping in your thoughts. Absolutely.
0: Now, I mentioned your introduction. It gives some of your other credits, Paul. Let's turn to the absolutely wonderful Enniskillen Comic Fest, which I was lucky enough to be there on the Saturday this year and had an absolutely great time. Um,
1: It's it's lovely to have you there, Eamon. It it really was.
0: Thank you, Paul. I mean, I mentioned this, I think, in my reviews at the time. Enniskillin is the small comic fest that punches well above its weight. How on earth do you achieve such a
1: splendid lineup of guests? A lot of hard work. <laughs> um, a lot of burning the midnight oil. Um well really I mean I, I, I've been attending comic conventions in England since nineteen eighty two. Uh I would have been over I would have been over you know, twice, maybe three times a year. Um obviously when family came along that that, that changed for a while. But I, I've sort of got to know the the majority of the the, art, the artists and writers working in the industry, which helps so they know me. And the fact that Ennis Gillen now has been has been running since 2016 and has generated so much positive commentary um, that, that, that we actually have, have writers and artists that, that, that volunteer to come. They, they ask me, can they come? Um, I don't even have to go out and, and try and contact them. So we owe a lot of it to, to Alan Grant, who was our guest of honour back in 2016. And he really... He really um, he brought a level of enthusiasm and professionalism to, to what was our uh, real seat of the pants effort back in 2016. And Alan spread the word and was very positive about it. So we've onwards the upwards from there. We've won we've won uh, the Irish Comic News Best Convention. We've won the um, Comic Scene Award best UK and Ireland comic related event twice I think so um, you know there's there's a lot of people who enjoy comic fest and, and what we do so it's purely comic focused and that's the way and I fully intend to remain so we're very pleased and myself and the team uh, I gotta mention the guys that, that, that work with me on this and uh, you know we, we all put a lot of work in and but uh, just for the love of comics.
0: Well, it's absolutely a fantastic event, um, free to attend. And this year, you had Jerry Finley Day. Possibly at one of his was it his first convention appearance since he's sort of reemerged.
1: He he appeared at Thought Bubble last year, but I believe it was really just a sort of a one-hour sign-in session. Yes, or right. Sort of a convention appearance. Um, so as far as I'm aware, Comic Fest was his first, and we. We interviewed him on the on the day. The link to that is can be can be got on the in a comic fest Facebook page. So we, we interviewed him myself and Michael Carroll. We inter- interviewed him in depth um, about his career. So that was a real honour. Jerry is is has been one of my favourite writers over the years, and it was fabulous just to get to spend some time with him and his lovely wife Linda over the weekend and just hear some of his stories and, and uh, interact with him chance to chat about some of the things that he had written fantastic
0: and of course this year you had john wagner you had keith burns we've talked about mike dory pj holden rising star dan cornwall Stas johnson and of course a certain garth ennis was there
1: yes garth garth has become uh a great supporter of comic fest as well and has Help put me in touch with people and, and offers so much enthusiasm and support for it. Just when I'm feeling down or maybe I've had a long session, I'm sending emails. Garth will come along and say something positive. He, he really has uh, embraced what we do. So uh, next year he's moving um, back to the UK. So I don't think we'll be able to have him at Comic Fest. But um, with any luck, we'll we'll be doing something battle-related for its 50th anniversary in 2025. So hopefully we'll be able to sort something with him for that. He he really is such a popular guest.
0: Absolutely. And I'm sure if Garth Ennis um, appears at at an American convention, the cues for him would be out the door. But at Ennis Gillen, you can sort of walk up to him and chat with him and i i don't know if i told you this story i i witnessed a family who'd obviously been sort of lured in by the attraction of comics and i i was standing there when the father was saying you're garth ennis you wrote the punisher and the boys (laughs) and garth was going yes that's me And 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 this chap said Right, I've got to find some books, and immediately went to the Rebellion table to buy some books so that Garth could sign them. He was just stunned that Garth Ennis, creator of the boys, was just sitting there in front of him with practically nobody queuing up to see him.
1: Yeah, the 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 um, we we try to make sure that the queues don't get too big, but that everybody has the opportunity to intera- interact with the guests. So the the previous year now, when we launched the special uh, Garth's first appearance in Comic Fest. The queue was very hard to manage. Um, there were so many people um, that, that, that come to see him and bring their stuff. But um, I said, Gareth puts his hours in. He stays all day at his table, except a break for lunch or a quick um, walk outside. Uh, but he puts the hours in and is quite happy to sign as much as people bring. Um, he really is a very, very good guest.
0: It was delightful to meet him, and of course to to meet John and Keith and everybody else, and Jerry Finley day and Mike Dory sitting next to each other, swapping stories the whole
1: day. well, that's the great thing uh is to get to meet these these creators that have such a fantastic body of work and they quite often I mean they haven't seen each other in, in donkeys years um, and uh, it's it's wonderful to spend some time you know with them in the bar afterwards and hear them bounce. Stuff off each other and and slag each other off. And whatnot? We <laughs> we 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 did on the Sunday. We Jerry Finley Day had, hadn't been interviewed at a convention before, but he enjoyed it so much that he came to me afterward and he said, "Can I do it again?" And uh, I thought to myself, rather than just simply repeat what we did previously, that we might interview him together with John, and we put the two of them together and. Uh, <laughs> We, the uh, the heat was just unbearable. We, we, we had to keep the thing short. It was only, I think, about 25 minutes. It was really the room was so incredibly hot at the time. There was no ventilation. But it was it was such fun because the, the two basically just swapped stories and, and took pot shots at each other. Um, it, it, it was a lot of fun
0: i can imagine that must have yes i was there on the saturday which was pretty hot day but yeah wonderful event dennis gillen um and uh yeah will you know it will return in 2024 i guess
1: yeah uh dates will be the 8th and 9th of june we're going for the two-day format again which was so popular this year um we're moving away from battle action we've done battle action the last two years and we want to freshen the thing up so we're um where we're going to change things, uh, invite some different guests uh, next year. So uh, things are shaping up very well. And,
0: uh, so follow the Ennis Comic Fest on Facebook. Link in the show notes for this episode.
1: Yeah, we're on Twitter and Instagram as well. The majority of the, the stuff comes on
0: Facebook. Excellent. And, of course, we mentioned Garth Ennis and the interview that you conducted via questions sent in from the Battle Fans Facebook group. And, um, of course, you run the Battle Fans group on Facebook. Its membership grows. Uh, lots of great stuff going on there with people just talking about wonderful comics.
1: It's a, it's it's it really has taken off. Um, I launched it back in 2020 for the, the Battle's 45th anniversary, and it's. Um, I mean, back at that time, Battle was very much an overlooked comic. It really, didn't have wasn't that well known. Didn't get a lot of respect. And I've got to say, I'm delighted to see the higher profile now that that, that Battle has. We have over 3,200 members. I'm glad to say so many are active on on the Facebook page as well. It's not simply me posting stuff and getting likes. Um, We we have a a very healthy interaction with all the members. We We cover things related to World War II as well, books or films. It's not slavishly about Battle. The battle will always be the main focus of it, so um, it, it's great to see. I've made a lot of friends uh, through the page. A couple of them are actually over for Comic Fest, so it was great to be able to to meet them and and spend some time with them, like yourself. So it's it's really is it's a labor of love, the Battle Fans page, and uh, Garth keeps an eye on it. And uh, like I say, anything anything I want from him, he'll happily provide. We've got, we've got uh, Jerry Finley-Days, a member, John Wagner, Alan Hebden, Steve McManus, Dave Hunt, um, Cam Kennedy keeps an eye on it, um, Carlos Pino, um, Mike Dorey, so, uh, uh, Ian Kennedy played a big part in the page too, uh, bless him. Um, so it's, it's, it's great to have these veterans of, of battle able to participate in the page
0: absolutely and also some extremely knowledgeable but also very friendly fans of the comic book and the the genre um who will help out with queries and you've managed to keep the group uh as i say friendly and free of any unpleasantness which is uh, a great success on facebook
1: well we had we i had to move the page from from public to private uh last year just because we were getting a lot of spam and there were um, there were some some nasty comments um, posted on there. Uh, people that weren't taking things in context. So we had to we had to go private. But then I think virtually all Facebook groups ended up having to do that for much the same reason. Um, which is a pity because I'd prefer everybody to be able to access it. But um, it just the the uh, there there are people out there that that just seem to want to spoil things.
0: Yes. Okay, but it is a wonderful group, a great resource. You'll find that links in the show notes for that as well, including the Garth Ennis interview that you conducted uh, with him, which also gives some ideas about what we might see in battle action next year when we're getting 10 issues, I think.
1: 10 issues, yeah. Just imagine almost a full year of of a monthly battle action comic fantastic
0: fantastic stuff now you've also been writing um i'll mention that you write um for justin marriott's battling Britons magazine justin's a book clubber as well and uh i've got the last two battling Britons in front of me here the the spies episode the future war issue you've got articles in both of those um you know Justin manages to produce these wonderful little magazines. He just brought out another one about uh British comics as well uh,
1: okay.
0: yeah, yes um and are you continuing to
1: write for him that's the plan i mean obviously we don't we never know what life is going to throw at us and mm. uh, unfortunately i'm I'm quite busy with family matters at the minute but um i, I the bulk of my article for the next issue of Battling Britons is written already. Uh, it, it was originally conceived, the, the the Eagle, the Mike Nelson article I wrote for the last issue, uh, was actually going to, to, to go on through various other tough guys and lone wolves and spies that ran in battle. But the thing grew out of all proportion when... Uh, when when I started to flesh it out, and I very quickly realised that it was just going to be too big, uh, A, to deal with, and and, and B, for the magazine to run. So speaking to Justin, we decided to run the the Mike Nelson part on its own, and the the other part, uh, focusing on some of the lesser-known characters in battle, uh, would would appear in the next issue. So a lot of that is actually written, which is maybe just as well, because I really don't have a lot of free time at the minute. So I should have a piece in, in the next issue, which I believe is going to be out around the end of the year, maybe the beginning of 2024. Great
0: stuff. So again, links to Justin's work in the show notes. Uh, get Battling Britain's, get his latest, Comics Rule OK, which is full of fascinating stuff, including an article about Slaves of War Orphan Farm, the girls' comic that keeps coming yeah, up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was, that was quite a bit of synchronicity. yeah. A lot of great writers in it. I really enjoy Battling Britain's. If, if I wasn't a part of it, I would still be buying issues of it because it really is very, very well done. Terrific stuff. And, of course, you tell
0: me before we started recording that you've also turned your hand to some comics writing at last, Paul.
1: You've, you've, got, yes, you've got something getting, coming out. You're getting an exclusive here. Uh, th- I haven't mentioned this. Um, but, yes, I, I uh, Peter Duncan, the, the editor and publisher of Sector 13, in Belfast, had been on at me for a few years, but writing something. I used to write a newspaper strip back when I lived in Banbridge back in the 80s, and I wrote a, a newspaper strip for the, the local free advertising paper there. But I haven't written anything since. But least Peter went on at me about about trying to put a script together, and and I always told him, oh, I, I haven't the time for that. I, I couldn't couldn't take that on as well. But just it came to me. This year, or last year, he asked me again, and I thought to myself, well, this really might be the only opportunity that I have to actually produce a comic, produce a story for a comic uh, that will be on sale at conventions and uh, whatnot, so it would be fun to try to do. So it was a bit of a head-scratcher to what to actually write, and Peter initially suggested just a true-life war story, pick a, an incident in World War Two, dramatise it, break it down into a script. And I thought about that, and then I thought, well, really, that's not terribly exciting. And uh, one night, uh, I don't want to say too much here. Uh, it's four pages, and it's four pages, so the, the the it's very slight. It's very slight and moves very fast. There's coincidence upon coincidence uh, to to get the thing crammed into four pages. That's what Peter wanted. So um, it probably could have done been fleshed out a bit more, but. Uh, Dave Hunt, the the battle editor, very kindly agreed to to script edit it for me, uh, which was fantastic, a real real honour. And Dave made some suggestions. I ran it by Garth, who thought it was very clever. Uh, So um, it'll it'll be fun to see what the reaction is when it comes out. As far as I'm aware, it's coming out around the end of the year. In one of Peter's magazines called Splank, which is a a mixture of, of genres. I think there might be a story by Steve McManus. In it as well so uh looking forward to seeing that I've seen the original art produced for it and it's utterly fabulous so it's about a group of characters called the King's Reach Commandos oh right which um, maybe it's quite fitting to mention considering we've been talking about Rat Pack today uh, so uh, I'd be interested to hear what you think of it
0: I'm looking forward to it I shall try and put a link to uh, Peter's page for that as well in the show notes for Splank coming out later this year.
1: Yeah, Box of Rain I think is the, the site that they, they use for um, the various Sector 13 and magazines and other uh, publications that Peter does. Um, they're, they're great supporters of Comic Fest, and it's, it's lovely to see them every year coming down and, and the quality of the material that they're putting out has grown so much. Uh, it's great to have another small press publisher out there doing such great stuff.
0: Fantastic. Well, Paul, you are extremely busy at the moment, both in comics work and in, of course, we've both had very busy weeks, but we've managed to squeeze in a Saturday morning where we can talk about 1970s British war comics with people like Jerry Finlay Day and Carlos Ascara and Alan Hebden and Massimo Bellardinelli. So thank you very much for giving up your time.
1: Oh, it's always a treat, I and mean, it has been a very welcome distraction prepping for this I really, I wish I'd had a bit more time um, just to, to put things together for you. Um, we've crammed quite a bit in to the talk today, and, uh, but I'll, I'll always make time for you. I enjoy, I really enjoy our chats on on old comics, and so it's it's, it's a real honour to be invited back again. Any time, mate, anytime.
0: Thank you very much, Paul. Well, hopefully we'll get you back on next year in twenty four, when hopefully things are a bit calmer for us all. Um, so great thank you Paul and thank you to everyone for listening to the book club as ever follow the pod on Facebook, Instagram, Mastodon Threads, Blue Sky and the 2080 Forum no longer on Twitter we are at megacitybookclub.com where you'll find links to all of Paul's other projects that we've been talking about email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got comments, suggestions or a book that you'd like to come and cover And that will do us until next time when we're passing judgment on another great book. um, It's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me
1: and the Rat Pack.